0: Welcome to the Ritual House podcast, a show about the rituals we practice, the new ones we create, and the many ways rituals help us live deeper, more meaningful, and more connected lives. I'm your host, Tova Libovic douglas and allow me to be the first one to say, welcome home. All right. Here we are. First episode of The Ritual House. I am so grateful to be here. I'm so grateful you're here on the heels of what feels like a really hard month. I want to just name that so much is happening in real time on the scenario in Israel, in Gaza. And in this moment, there is certainly relief, reprieve, prayers in seeing the hostages return home. I'm feeling that. And there's also so many other feelings involved and I just like want to name that we don't get into all of it in this episode. So keep sending your prayers to the situation. Um we need more than we think we need. It feels extraordinarily exhilarating to begin this new adventure with all of you. So thank you for joining in. Thank you for being here. I was meeting with a with a friend this morning. And she asked me, knowing that I was starting this podcast and starting The Ritual House, why rituals? Why is that your thing? And short of saying, well, I'm a rabbi, (laughs) granted, a reluctant and rebellious one, which I think you'll learn about. When I think of my childhood, I often think of the privilege that I had to get to sit at multiple tables and see different practices My dad was raised ultra-Orthodox, Hasidic-ish. His parents, my grandparents, my Bubby and Zaidi, of blessed memory, were Holocaust survivors. And I had the great blessing of being able to be in their lives and to see how they did rituals. I have these amazing memories of them. My Bubby in her kitchen, just cooking in particular ways, particular foods, always doing it in a ritualistic kind of way. My Zaydi going to his shtiebel, his little synagogue. And I just have this memory as a child of the sea of white tote, white prayer shawls just all across the room and feeling so connected to him, so connected to something bigger than me. And then on the other side, my mom grew up Southern Methodist. She converted to Judaism later in life. And so I had the blessing of being able to be in my papa and my granny's lives and my great grandparents lives my great grandmother mama king in, in particular and on that line we come from southern methodist ministers they also had such profound rituals that were part of their lives grace saying that before meals and seeing my papa go to church on sundays and seeing how he was ritualistic in his own study of the bible and There was something about being in these spaces as well as my own space as a child, which I would label as Jewish, like liberal Jewish, joyful Jewish. And I saw all these worlds as I didn't have the language as a young child, but I was so drawn to ritual. I was like, yes, Mama King, say grace. I want to be here for that. Let's hold hands and do it in a particular way. And I remember feeling that at my bubby and Zaidi's house as well, and feeling that within my own household. And I think for me, ritual has always been the through line through my life. And I think, arguably, it's the through line for all of us in some way. It's this access point that we have to ourselves and to one another, to our ancestors, and that we get to be these creative beings on this planet, trying them on and finding ways through. I think rituals help us. Find our way through. And so I am extraordinarily like, I can't even tell you how excited I am for this podcast because while I am a rabbi and an energy worker, and there's like lots of things that I hold, like lots of different roles I hold, mostly I'm a seeker. And so I am on this journey of seeking with you and learning from some incredible individuals from various backgrounds, diverse in their own ritual ways in their life. And I'm excited as a ritualist to sort of learn from them. And this first episode is really near and dear to me, especially in light of this moment that is happening in the world. My guest today is Mustafa Zeno. I call him Safi, so you'll hear Mustafa and Safi interchangeably, but he does go by Mustafa. Mustafa is a filmmaker, a documentary filmmaker. He is also one of the wisest, kindest, Most generous souls that I know. He is Syrian, he is Muslim, and he's one of my best friends, which you'll hear through the episode. And in a time when I think we are not at the table with people that have backgrounds that are different from us, I find this conversation to be really, really important. But we focused on how hard it is to do ritual when we're in grief, when we're in trauma. And what I hope you'll learn by the end of this conversation is how ritual is actually so essential in the moments that are hard. When we're in the hard, ritual is actually what can help us through the hard. So I'm excited for this conversation. I think you'll you'll love it as much as I did. listeners to the Ritual House. I am very honored to introduce the amazing Mustafa Zeno. Mustafa is an LA-based cinematographer and audiovisual artist from Aleppo, Syria. His practice is anchored in creating emergent motion pictures based in specific communal histories, artistic forms, and ways of seeing. He is co-founder of the creative studio Rug and Vase. And what I really want to share about Mustafa, who is a very dear friend of mine, is that he is one of the most special souls that there is. He's the kind of person who is engaged with the world, always observing it, always witnessing it, as a true artist does, and he witnesses it with a deep sensitivity, aiming to make a slight dent every single place he goes, with little judgment, slight judgment, and with a lot of openness. Um, He's been an anchor of mine for a decade in my insanity, just hard to believe a decade. <laughs> He's always there, very steady and sincere with a desire to engage in whatever the process is, wherever it might go. And if you ask any person in my life that has met Mustafa, like if you just mention his name, everyone lights up and wants to know immediately how he is doing. And I think really, Safi, it's because of the presence that you have in the world and the way you show up for people, even people you don't know well. And so I I just think you're an awesome filmmaker and artist and visionary, and also probably most importantly, in my opinion, an awesome human. So thank you for being here. Really excited that you're here.
1: Thanks so much for all these kind words. It's great that that's how I come off. I'm glad that I come off as really present. I feel like really always insane in my brain and distracted. And uh, but <laughs> it is very important for me to be present. So I'm glad at least that's kind of what I'm giving off. That's, that's beautiful.
0: It's your superpower. I know that you're really distracted, right. but you ask the right questions. So people think, oh, he's paying attention to me. Great. You might be elsewhere when they're answering, but your eyes are there. So that's all, you, all that matters.
1: Perfect. I've got the whole kind of <laughs> act on on lockdown. So I'm glad it's working.
0: Exactly. Thanks so much for having
1: me here. I'm really excited. So
0: we already had a full conversation Mm -hmm. and we decided that we needed to do it over or at least sort of bring in... The ugly truth or the painful elephant that's in the room, mm-hmm. which is that since we recorded, there has been loss upon loss, destruction, a nightmare that I think each one of us is living through and our world is living, living through mm-hmm. with the, we don't know how to label it. War does not sound like the right word, but we'll just use it for now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on how, it depends on on what level we're talking about.
0: Many lives. Innocent lives gone in Gaza and in Israel as well. And just that's there. And so you and I met doing a fellowship called New Ground. Mm -hmm. It's a fellowship that brings Muslims and Jews together. I saw you from across the room the first night. I was like, that's going to be my partner for the activity because... (laughs) I don't know. You looked a little cynical in a good way. And we instantly connected. And I just want to give listeners a little bit of context of how much we connected. I was going through a lot of fertility things in that moment. I had a miscarriage right before meeting you, Mustafa, and within the fellowship, got pregnant again with our first child, with Evie. And I actually found out I was pregnant the day before or two days before we went on a retreat to talk about. Israel and Palestine. And mom, don't kill me, but I think Mustafa knew before you did that I was pregnant because I was so sick and I I needed someone to know that that is what I was experiencing in joy, but in like deep anxiety and fear while talking about Israel and Palestine from using the I statement. And so I just give that context. He has been in it. For me, as a friend, in very intimate ways and in very important ways, he is Muslim, he's from Syria, and he's one of my closest people. And that shouldn't feel like a thing to say, but I feel like in this moment, it's kind of important to say in the world that we live in, which wants to separate us. So I know it's like a weird introduction, Musaba, but I really <laughs> wanted to share that because I feel like people need to know how we spend time together. You've been at my Seder. You've been at my Bubby Shiva. I've been at your Iftars. Mm -hmm. We've been in this relationship for a long time. And I wanted to share that because we've been in ritual together in lots of different ways. And I'm really excited that we get to talk about ritual or lack of ritual amid all the pain that we're experiencing today in this
1: moment? Thanks for sharing that. That's a really actually beautiful centering because I'm not very good at like kind of reflecting on the past and kind of remembering things. Like my memory is really bad. I remember the feeling kind of, so I know the feeling, my feeling of closeness towards you, but I didn't remember actually all those specific, when you said them, obviously I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, that's right. But that is a really beautiful centering for this conversation. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Actually, now that you mention it, we didn't really talk about this in the first time we recorded this conversation, but like a lot of our friendship kind of there has been like these very much like these tent pole kind of ritualistic kind of moments that were all throughout our, our friendship that that I think were a really big part of, of of our relationship. And I think it's it is very apropos to kind of be having this conversation, even at a time when like all I can think of is like, it's hard to talk about ritual today,
0: Hmm.
1: knowing that that's kind of one of the first things like ritual is so important. But for me, I find like they're the first things that go out of the door when, whenever things get stressful, whenever things kind of, uh, whenever life gets fuller. Um, And so it's like, I was like, how are we going to talk about ritual at this time when like a lot of our community's rituals are totally upended, you know, yeah. uh, but also it's very, it, it is very important because of our friendship and because of our history and because at this time also it kind of, in terms of coping ritual can, can be such an important part of that to kind of cope hopefully in a healthy way. So, yeah, thanks for that centering. And I'm really excited to to talk again.
0: Yeah. I'm happy. There's, there's just, it's so hard because I know so much about you and, how much ritual is actually so part of your life that you might not see, but like mm-hmm. I see mm-hmm. you're so rooted in ritual from your familial line and your culture, like your deep roots to Syrian culture and mm-hmm. to your religion and tradition, as well as yeah. just being partnered with someone who really cares about ritual, and it's not ritual of Islam, but rather like Christian ritual and her own her own way um, of doing ritual. And your intention is just always there. Like you're just, when I think of ritual, you're one of the first people I think of. So mm. even when it's lost for you, I think it's very present. I want to just start us with the first question and then we'll move to the present. But just from the past, if you can think of yourself, little Mustafa, age five, six, seven, maybe eight, uh-huh. under the age of nine, uh-huh. how was ritual part of your life?
1: Um
0: or one memory.
1: Yeah, I I think a couple of things come to mind right away, and they are, well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess like the first first memories are like of me as a child. What I hear actually, but those are memories that I don't know if I if I actually remember, or if I remember them because I've heard them so much. But the these kind of um, moments from my very very early childhood, where you know, really. I don't know, dumb things that kids do of like, whenever my dad was in the bathroom, I would like put my fingers underneath the door, the the door of the bathroom. Um, <laughs> and it was something that apparently I did like all the time. Like every time he would go, like I was so attached to him that every time he would like go in just to the bathroom, just trying to relieve himself. <laughs> I was like, still like, I needed to be kind of close to him. And I would like, you know, he would see like my little tiny fingers underneath the the door sneaking in and this is like like first first memories of anything that kind of is ritualistic in the sense of like it was something that that every time this happened we would do this every time this happened we would do this kind of like on the basic level right but then also like rituals of you know when i was young i was born here in in the u.s and then i moved to syria and i was five um and so those are the rituals i remember here while i was still in the u.s Mm -hmm. of like that and then also i remember the ritual of christmas actually and it wasn't a religious thing for us, but my dad, and my my family like did kind of have some sort of we have we had a you know a, a tree and and uh, presents and you know
0: that might be surprising to people because you're Muslim, right? Like so right. You still, but you still would do a little bit of Christmas because that's like something that's common, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just seen as like oh, it's an American thing. It's not a Christian thing. It's an right. American thing. It's like uh-huh. yeah, you know, it's like you know a Christian thing, but. Um And obviously, as Muslims, like, we believe in Jesus, but do we celebrate his birth in the same way? No, you know, so, but it was, like, something yeah. that was, like, okay, it was, an, it was more as an American, like, this is what everyone does, we're doing the same thing, there's no harm in it. Um, but that ritual ended, like, the ritual also of, like, my parents getting me gifts and stuff like that, that ended really quickly because I... Like the whole Santa Claus thing, like very early on, I was like, "This does not add up." Like, I don't understand actually how this is working. Is it? Are you really? Are you messing with me? Is this real? You, you
0: were that kid.
1: I was that kid. I yeah. really, I, you know, and Dad was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," and I was like, "You're no, I'm on to you. This is not true. This is not real." So that that ended it quickly. But the earliest like religious rituals that I really still hold on to today, I remember from when we first moved to Syria and going to mosque. Um, on Fridays, um, or during Ramadan, uh, during Ramadan, we go to mosque almost every night, or we try to go there's a there's a, an additional prayer every single night. that That's like a, a much longer prayer than the usual prayers that we do. Mm. Um, and so some of my earliest kind of memories of ritual are me being in the mosque, just like running around as a kid, free, like because mosques are so open, and you're sitting on the ground, and it's, it's carpet, and it's so it's so open, but it's so warm also. And so just the thing of of really just running around in the mosque. And then before holidays, like at the end of Ramadan, you know, before the holiday, also the ritual of driving around with my family, going down to the old city in Aleppo, uh, listening to this really old song by Uncle Thum, this, uh, this Egyptian diva, and being in the car with my dad's aunts. Aunties. Yeah, with the aunties kind of seeing where they used to live, kind of in the old city, and reflecting on the kind of the... Longitudinal nature of of all the different parts of our culture and our and and Aleppo where uh, we grew up. We, Aleppo is very kind of very very aware of of where it comes from and how because it because it's one of the oldest and continuously inhabited cities in the world. It's like you don't talk about that, but you're very aware of that kind of growing up. So so ritual is a very big part of that and kind of the handing over of ritual from one generation to the next is 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 part of the way that that is kind of felt growing up there.
0: That's so beautiful. Yeah, Aleppo, there's so much history, so much richness. A lot of Jews from Aleppo, too. God, Very,
1: very rich Jewish but history Very in rich
0: Jewish history. Not to make this about me, and I'm yeah. not even connected mm. to, I'm not a Syrian <laughs> Jew, to be very clear. But I hear it once was a very breathtaking city.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Maybe still is, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, still is in its own way. But after war, it just, the places become different places. Yeah, They just change. As I was just this morning listening to someone, these kind of American citizens that were in Gaza and kind of them leaving and knowing that even if they ever come back, they're not coming back to the same place that they grew up. Um, And that's kind of very much, yeah, the feeling about Aleppo now. I haven't been back since the war, but I'm sure there's a, you know, it's still a wonderful place and still has some of the elements, but it's it's just a different place than when I grew up there. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So when we met, you were dealing, dealing, living through, we were all living through the Syrian war. Mm -hmm. And then here we are at the other, another, another catastrophe happening. And we were talking just earlier about what helps you through it. Help, what helps us through it? Are there things that like, ground you in ritually speaking in these moments that are so hard? Is it impossible to do that? I'm happy to share mine too. We could have a conversation about it, but like, I'm curious, like, are there things that you're doing for yourself, ritually speaking, whether that's traditionally Syrian related through Islam, are there things that sort of are grounding you through it or is it just not possible?
1: I mean, honestly, it's like, I know, I know the rituals that I would do that would help me um, during this time. I'm not doing them. Yeah. I'm not like that's I it's 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 partially because I just recently changed my schedule in terms of I'm coming to the office every morning at 7 a.m. And so so most of my rituals that I usually do are like before then, you know, or like around that time.
0: You're like a morning person. You do the I'm a
1: morning person. We know
0: opposite of me.
1: Uh, (laughs) Opposite always right
0: i do this all this morning ritual look at me i don't wake up anyway go ahead
1: <laughs> exactly no that's the only time that i can do any kind of really like regular ritual because it there's like a very clear like every morning i have to wake up right and so if i do it right after i wake up then i can make sure because i get really sucked into to you know my life in general and i kind of very add and just kind of get lost in whatever it is that i'm doing mm-hmm. and so if i don't do it when i first wake up it's just not going to happen Right. Um, and so what I used to do before is I would wake up about 15 minutes before sunrise, pray the, what's called the Fajr prayer, um, or the morning prayer, the dawn prayer, because you have to do that before sunrise. And then by the time sunrise is, is happening, I'm outside just walking around my neighborhood, walking around my block with my prayer beads, um, which today actually for the first time I brought them back i this morning mm. i was doing some prayer beads it really just like me because we're talking today it reminded me of like oh yeah i do this all the time why haven't i been doing this So mm. I, I did it today a little bit but i would go around the the block and just doing different kind of mantras and prayers actually they're mostly mantras that are, are reflecting on the kind of nature of god mm. um and that usually is really really helpful the reason why i'm saying like i know what I would be doing now and I know that would be helpful is because a lot of the things that a lot of the mantras that, that I will say reflecting on the nature of God are about that there is no deity but God that God is greater than, than all that we that is around us that I'm trying to remember which ones there is like la ilaha illallah no deity but God alhamdulillah thank, thanks be to God um, there is like um, uh, we, are to, uh, uh, we are of God and to God we return is another mm. one um which is the thing that we say after kind of you know people die yeah um, we say, but it's like so, we say these... something similar yeah okay yeah yeah it's 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 all of these different kind of mantras that that are and, and it's like in the natural way that um while you're doing it you you your mind will wander off and you'll start thinking about work or you'll start thinking about something that someone told you or whatever and then you have to bring yourself back into whatever you're saying and mm-hmm. it's always in that moment of me bringing myself in And it's like, you, you know, you're thinking of this thing that happened and then you, you, you come back and you're saying God is greater. And it feels like a response to literally whatever you just thought about, whatever you just, you know, uh, wherever your mind just was to remind you of like, whatever it is that you're going through right now, like it is the, the world and, and, and God and God's creation is much larger than you. And you are both a part of that, but also a small part of that.
0: Right. And that's what prayer is supposed to, I mean, traditionally for Judaism too, right? And right? like we've talked about right. this, right? It's just, you're supposed to have that, I don't know, it's like a tension almost, like that we live mm-hmm. in the world and then there's like something bigger. Mm-hmm. You are a tiny speck of dust, but you also mm-hmm. really matter at the same time, you know? And right. like both those things are true. And so you do that or you did that, that was like a morning yeah. ritual and the beads. I love the tangible aspect of that. Mm-hmm. That must feel really good, like to have that. Yeah. Um, and now you're carrying them, which I'm glad, I'm glad the ritual house can bring you back to some ritual, it (laughs) might help you. Um, but all that went to shit, right? Like you're not doing any of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm really not. I mean, it's, I think, yeah, like I said, just shift in schedule. Like that's the thing. It's like, even a shift in schedule just kind of like throws everything out or if like I travel or something, it's like really hard for me to get back into ritual. But, but I think especially during this time, it just feels like there's so much, there's like much more bigger need for ritual, but also there's just a lot harder to kind of get myself to actually make space for that because it's so natural for me to open the the phone in the morning and be like, what's happening today? You know, yesterday morning I woke up and, you know, a Jewish man was killed in Ventura um, in a you know, pro Israel, pro Palestine kind of counter protest to each other in right. an altercation. And it's not clear what exactly happened or how intentional, or not intentional it happened. But like, then you wake up to that and you're like, oh, this is right here also. Like, not right. only are our communities kind of in pain, kind of all around, all over the world, but like, this is coming here and the tragedy of that. And so, anyways, it's like when you wake up to that, yeah, it's like, I don't know how I can get myself to to be in a space of reflection. But at the same time, it, like this is when we need it the most this is when I needed the most. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's hard to be living in constant, a constant state of grief. I think that's mm. kind of how I feel. I don't know. I don't want to put yeah. words in your mouth, but there's grief. And I imagine for you, there's also trauma of some kind knowing how you've experienced the Syrian war, like your family has experienced the Syrian war. And then here we are, sort of again in a different, different setting, but such a through line to it for you personally in your connection to people that live in Gaza and in the loss that you've experienced through this. I'm really just gonna call it all a nightmare because it all feels like a nightmare to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like yeah. how do we do it? Like I know for myself, it's been hard to sort of function. At a normal rate, so asking ourselves or tasking ourselves with putting on ritual on top of it feels like such a, I don't know, ridiculous expectation. And yet, it is probably the thing that we all need the most.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, I think it's like it's so useful in times like this because it's it's something that we have built at times where things were okay potentially like where things felt a little bit more normal where life was a little bit there there was a sense of normalcy in our lives that or or like growing up right like whether it's like it's rituals that we gain as we kind of are growing older uh, like as as young kids or if it's rituals that we kind of gather up along the way it's a consistency within the craziness of life so it's like if you know you might be used to doing those rituals when things are easier because that's easier to do rituals then but then when you are able to bring them into when i'm able to bring them into the times when things are really hard it kind of it, it feels like this kind of automatic like beckoning back to oh i've done this many times and at those other times things are okay and right now things are not okay and like the kind of cyclical nature of life is kind of like it, it just it's brought directly to you in that ritual, or to me, at least in that ritual. And so it really is um, also in that way, like such a, yeah, such a hard thing to do.
0: Yeah. You know, I have both things happening for me. I have this personal experience of, you know, deep pain for, you know, my people on some level and the experience of like ancestral trauma sort of reignited in a way that feels kind of impossible to hold and then also this like acknowledgement and also pain for i think all people are my people in some way but like right like right, yeah. right? palestinian people like just this extraordinary pain and then recently this like feeling of like am i allowed to feel pain right Mm -hmm. now and I think Mm -hmm. the answer has to be kind of yes because I think that's there too on like a real level with anti-semitism on the rise now people Mm want to call it anti-Jew hatred I I don't know what to call I I, Jew Jew mm -hmm. hatred I don't know but what I do know is that it feels like a lonely business to be Mm -hmm. someone that cares about my people and all people feels very actually lonely And I've been thinking about rituals to hold that or to gather people like as a rabbi in the ritual. Like I've been just like thinking about that and I haven't quite figured that out so far. I've just been on my own island. Do you feel like you found communal ritual to sort of that like helps you? Like, have you gone to Friday prayers? Like I've gone to synagogue since I've done Mm -hmm. things and they have not... Yeah. Not nothing against my synagogue or synagogue in general, but it has not, yeah. it has not nourished me in this moment. It has not filled me or made me feel better personally. I know yeah. it's making other people feel better and that makes me happy, mm-hmm. but it right. hasn't helped me. I'm curious yeah. for you.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I think very similarly, I didn't go this last week, but I went the week before and the week before and both times you know, I, I, yeah, I also did not feel nourished by going to Friday prayer and.
0: Oh, maybe um, we should the, explain Friday prayer. I just said it as if everyone knows it. Can you just explain
1: what it is? I mean, yeah. On Fridays, one of the five prayers of of the day that we pray as Muslims, there is the kind of noon prayer that kind of starts at true noon and on Fridays, we pray this true noon prayer communally um, in congregation, and it's usually just like, especially kind of in the West where you don't have Fridays off, it's usually like a kind of half hour to 45 minute kind of thing. You go, there's a sermon, and then there's a prayer. Prayer takes like five minutes and then you're out.
0: I know this is like gonna blow a lot of the Jewish people's minds that don't know that five minute prayer. Can you imagine? Sorry. Mustafa has <laughs> yeah. been to synagogue with me several times. So he's laughing right here. Anyway, but that's basically it's like Shabbat, but it's not Shabbat. You wouldn't call it Shabbat. But it yeah. is like the main, the main service.
1: Exactly. It is the main service every week. And you know, it's, I don't know, for the Muslim community, we are not as established as the jewish community as christians here in america kind of in the sense of like as communities it's still all most communities still all all feel like ad hoc sort mm-hmm. of yeah they're all in these like ad hoc spaces often the kind of uh, the imam the preacher also like there are like trained people they also feel like ad hoc like sometimes like the uncles in the community and it's like there's something really endearing about that but there's also something that's like <laughs> your reality is totally different from mine. I don't know what world you're in, what you're talking about right now. Um, I'm really, so, I'm
0: really waiting for you to become an imam.
1: I, you know, maybe some people will see my films at some point, kind of in a prayerful way. That will be, that, that will be my, um, your contribution. You know, I, would love, I would love that. My, that would be my contribution, but I don't think I can do anything more than that.
0: Your dad was, um, your dad could be an imam, right?
1: He could be an imam. He thinks he is. I think he thinks
0: thinks he's an imam. Is he going to listen to this?
1: I don't think so. Okay, good. I I love your dad. I say with love. But yeah, (laughs) anyway. Yeah. Yeah. My dad. I um, love
0: him. I really do. Yeah, he's.
1: Manette is great. Manette is great. He's, He's kind of a born again muslim you know sort of in the last 10 15 years and so you know it's all a lot of beautiful things and whatever
0: i really hope this is not annoying you mustafa because i know how seriously you take authenticity as i do so i Mm. don't mean to make this like kumbaya we're all great friends and everything is amazing look at us right now but i i do want to like name like your dad came to my bubby's shiva like,
1: true. I just, yeah. like,
0: I just like, I just like want to name that there is like, um, an interconnectedness that our families have with each other and that you and I have, but that is quite possible somewhere, somehow in the world. And I, I think right now in a moment where we all feel like it's impossible. Yeah. I just like right. want to like, just say that yeah, ritual somehow <laughs> brings us together yeah. and like potentially two d- very different cultures that are actually siblings with one another. Right together right
1: a hundred percent no I think this thing that you're talking about about like the kind of possibility I think it's a lot more than a possibility actually I think there's like a certain naturalness to it that really feels like again beyond the kumbaya oh you guys eat kosher we eat halal like beyond like that thing of like like Islam refers itself back very consciously to the Jewish tradition into the Christian tradition, but most of it the Jewish tradition, because according to most Muslims, the Christians really kind of, you know, went with it somewhere where that's not what God intended, according to most Muslims. But regardless, like the <laughs> reference back to kind of the connection to, to Judaism is like very deep, consciously so, not just like by chance, right? And so a lot of the traditions that kind of come from Judaism, some of them that kind of still stay in islam in in some way it's such a like a very kind of obvious connection such a natural connection
0: what i wanted to do if it's possible we were talking before we spoke about we were saying before that one of the prayers that has like been like grounding you is the serenity prayer i think you mentioned at some point i don't know if there's like one that's in islam it's like a similar one or is it just the serenity prayer that i know from recovery work is it the same prayer is that like the thing that's like helping you right now
1: yeah, I mean it's pretty much the same, the same, yeah, surrender prayer from recovery that that often I go back to is such a basic one, but um, it it exists in Islam not as a not as a prayer in the same way, but it, there's a there's a prayer called the prayer of um, good counsel that you do a kind of traditional prayer and then right after that prayer you say this sort of prayer of good counsel, and in that prayer of good counsel it's one that you say. God you know you you know you are all knowing and I am not knowing you know what is best for me and for the world if this thing that i am about to do is good for me and for for the world then lead me to it and lead it to me mm. if this thing that i'm about to do is bad for me and for the world take me away from it and take it away from me and and help me deal with that kind of distance from that thing and that's the kind of i think the thing that i'm bringing with me that's where like this the kind of the serenity prayer kind of says the same thing in a different way of like it's not about like should i do this or should i not but it's just generally like right now in my body right this second what like lead me generally in the world like how should i behave
0: i just like love that Islam, you're really good. It makes sense that you'd like the serenity prayer. Like us Jews, are like not so great at serenity. You know, that's like not actually our gift in the world. That is something that I really admire, honestly, about this Islam. Like a, a great deal is something I have to learn from, because it's something I've had to learn how to how to how to bring in the serenity prayer, how to surrender, um, how to sometimes even submit. You know, uh, like all those things are. And I think that's why it's so beautiful. Like, it's why I wanted to do this podcast. Like, I think there's so much beauty in so many of the different religions that like have like essential truths that we can all like learn from in some way. And that's something that I know I've learned from you and your family and your way. And I I really appreciate it and value it. So I'm really glad you brought, even though it's like the serenity prayer, like I'm really glad, glad, like, glad you brought the context of how it like applies to, to being Muslim as well.
1: I think that's part of where our, friendship has been really special is that like i also am very much a wrestler you know and like i think the thing that i appreciate in duty i do appreciate in is in that aspect of just like it's not that simple we need to kind of really like and that's what we're doing here in this conversation of just like it's not that simple we need to dig into it and we need to actually like get to the bottom of it and that's really important and i really that's very much a big part of me and i I need to like get to the bottom of things and really really you know deeply. uh, uh, um deeply yeah. exactly throw myself into it and so i really appreciate that, that. and but yeah i think prayer is a space for me where i don't do that where i actually do really surrender and i do kind of allow for the world to be what mm. it is and to remember that i cannot you know wrestle every everything around me i love um, that but that i really love that about about our, I friendship do too. And about our relationship and about, and about our respective face. i love
0: it we talk about it all the time and i like we do we talk about our face all the time which i think is really interesting because yeah. who does that in friendship but I love I love that part of you, the wrestle part and the the part that you can just you can do that because I I struggle with that part and I'm I've gotten better over the years, but it's something that's not naturally in me. And so it's really beautiful. You know, like Israel means the ones who wrestle with God and Islam means Mm -hmm. do you want to translate it? I want to make sure that I
1: to 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 submit. submit, And so it's it's just like a
0: very interesting orientation that is a little bit different. And what we have to learn from one another in those differences is kind of essential, kind of mirrors this moment in some weird way, but we won't go there. Okay. Last question. (laughs) Um, Is there a ritual in your like everyday life everyday living humaning in your home or wherever, actually, that just sort of like grabs you. Maybe it's like something you go to or, or something that's like helps you. It's like one of those fast questions. You don't have to have anything profound.
1: It must be that kind of that that morning prayer before sunrise and then the prayer beads um, and the mantras. It, it's just, it is my it is my anchor it is the thing that i fall back on it is the thing that regardless of how i'm feeling it's the thing thing that centers me it's such a simple thing but it just it it, no matter how crazy i'm feeling it's the thing that just like brings me back because it forces because it's like time based and i have to do it for like half an hour straight and i keep on repeating these words and even if i'm not in it and i'm thinking about all these things eventually I'm wrestling the whole time, right? It's even no matter how much I'm wrestling, eventually it forces me to submit. And um, so, it it has to be that that ritual of That's
0: beautiful, is, yeah,
1: prayer beads and and saying the different the different names of God and the different qualities of yeah. God.
0: ooh, love it. It's a good ritual for people to like kind of try on some version of it for themselves. Whatever mantra the mantra is, holding something, walking around yeah. the block in the morning, like it's a really beautiful ritual. I love that. Thank you so much for yeah. your time. I'm so grateful Thanks, for so, you. Uh, grateful for you Listeners, too. you could check Mustafa Z- Zeno out. He um, is on Instagram at... mu
1: 96 6 afaa <laughs>
0: He's an amazing filmmaker. Um, check out his films. Is there one you, or two you want to plug right here?
1: Uh, you can check out rugandvaz.com. Rug and vaz like vase, you know, like thefurniture.com. Um, That's where kind of a lot of the work that I'm most uh, excited about and with the kind of production company, Creative Studio that I have with my creative collaborator, David, and 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 like, a, you know, there's a whole community around us that I'm really excited about more than my own personal work, to be honest. And I love but, uh, his
0: personal work. So you could check those things out too. Dahlia's Other Country is very good. Okay. And he's amazing. So check him out, follow him do the things. And thanks so much, Safi. Take care.
1: Thanks, Sova. I love you.
0: I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. It was just such a treat to talk to one of my dearest people about rituals. My favorite topic in the world, as you can tell, I hope. The takeaway that I'm leaving with is we need rituals. Even when we think we can let go of them, we can't. Actually, especially when we feel like we need to let go of them, we can't. I'm also taking with me um, Mustafa's prayer beads that he holds. I'm really holding on to this concept that we can all hold on to prayer beads. I also worked in recovery addiction and the serenity prayer um, ended up really being one of the most helpful things for me in my life. For a good four years, I would say it every single morning. And so I'm going to read it out loud in case there's anyone out there and you do not have to be in addiction or in recovery. In fact, I think we all need this prayer. So I'm just going to say it out loud in hopes that it helps someone out there. God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I hope you're able to take some of that serenity in a time that can be so hard that you find a way to hold those prayer beads or to bring some ritual into your life this week. And just to close out, I'm just going to also say the Shachianu with you all because Shachianu is that Jewish prayer that we say when we do something for the first time. because that's what we're doing right now. The Ritual House is now officially launched. Baruch atah Adonai Elohim el the sheikhianu ve'kimanu higianu lazman hazeh. Blessed are you, source of life, who has kept us alive, sustained us, and brought us to this moment. Thank you for listening to the Ritual House podcast. Please be sure to follow the show on whichever platform you are listening to this right now so that you'll never miss an episode. And as we grow the show, we wanna hear about the rituals that are meaningful to you. We invite you to share your ritual practices with us. You can DM us at theritual.house on Instagram or find us on our website, www.theritual.house. Also, as a new show, your feedback is really important to us. Please head on over to Apple Podcasts and write us a review. And if you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with a friend? We'll see you back here next week to continue the ritual revolution. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a week filled with intention and attention. Take Mm -hmm. good care.